This is a Disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm still not here with my co-host, Lee. <laughs> I'm Lee, and I am still not here with my co-host, Peter. <laughs> One year we've been saying that. Oh boy, has it ever been. Back for season two, and I was hoping that this would be in person, sitting across from you at our normal, well, at our new studio table. Our new beefed up studio, which... Haven't set foot in since nope. last year. Once a week, I go down there and blow the dust off everything <laughs> and kind of look at it Someday, longingly. baby. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> but you're joining us for season two of This is a Disaster. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't know if we mentioned this last time. We're still considering how we were going to do it moving forward, but we've decided it's going to be seasonal now. Yeah. So now you're joining us for the next three months of Disasters. Yeah. Before uh, we take another break and go in for season three. And I think we got some good ones planned this time around. Not that the previous ones weren't good, but... <laughs> finally some good ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll finally like this show, you guys. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we're back, we're energized, and we're ready to bring you more disasters. And today, I think I'm starting with one of, well, I'll get into it. You know what? I'll get into it. First, I'm going to do what uh, what I haven't done in a long time, but I'm going to do is uh, welcome people if you're new to the show. If you're new here, welcome. Hi. If you're wondering what the best place, where the best place to start is, I would say it's at the beginning. Go back to the beginning, now known as season one, and start yep. there and listen to all of our previous episodes because we'll do callbacks. We won't do inside jokes. You won't be left out on the joke, but a lot of times we'll say something like, hey, remember episode uh, nine, I think, when we <laughs> talked about Apollo one? Might be yeah. a relevant one. Remember that. Um, go fun. back and check that out because that might come up again. Uh, actually, it was, a po- it was episode 11 and a half that we talked about Apollo one, yeah. it turns out was live that one yeah and if you so that was that was a good one one, you know that back when you could uh be with other people exactly remember that time (laughs) yes remember that time over a year ago (laughs) sort of (laughs) yeah the next best thing you can do is to subscribe wherever you listen and leave a rating or review you can also check us out on social media at that at this disaster pod on twitter instagram and facebook you can check out our website www.thisdisasterpod.com and our patreon.com slash this disaster pod get tons of bonus content discounts on merch and all that other good stuff and with that out of the way well actually do we do we want to talk about what we did in our in our time off lee what did, what did you do with your time off uh well I, uh, I worked, I've been working mm. throughout the pandemic, so I worked mm. mm-hmm. and Me when too. I wasn't working, I was, uh, at home mm-hmm. and, mm. uh, I played a lot of drums. Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't know why, mm. but you know, yeah. I just did. Keep, keep, keep the chops up. up. Keep the chops up. Yep. Um, let's see, you know, spent time with the family, mm. mm-hmm. a lot of dog walking. Hmm. I got I got really good at video games. Peter got amazingly good at Doom. Yeah, I spent a lot uh, of time on it. I, can, I beat it on uh, beat Doom Eternal on Ultra Nightmare, so that's kind go. of a it's kind of a high mark for me in terms of gaming. If that means anything to you, then you know that that is <laughs> quite the accomplishment. You know, it means something to me, and I'm still I, trying to figure out if I'm happy about it or not. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, yeah, it's sort of a double edged sword. Uh, yeah. how about, so yeah, you, you beat doom. That's what you did. That's pretty, that's pretty much it. Okay. That's pretty much it. I went from like, uh, I, I went from like 20 hours in that game to 200 
So that's pretty much been my pandemic. <laughs> yeah. You got to put in the, the time, got to do the work. Yeah. I'm just not going to think about all the other stuff that I could have been doing with that time if it ah. wasn't for a pandemic. No, that later. just, you yeah. don't want to go down that path. <clears throat> no. So anyway, that's good. Good. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you're ready to get traumatized by a new disaster then. Yeah. Because it's been a while. I'm, I'm certainly ready. Uh-huh. Today, I'm going to tell you about my favorite Apollo mission. Mm. And you're probably thinking, what, you mean Apollo 11 isn't your favorite Apollo mission? To the moon, Alice. I'll tell you what, it's not even it's not even my second favorite Apollo mission. Because <laughs> it was successful. We'll get into that one at the end. Yeah, okay, okay. But, uh, so like I mentioned, we talked about the Apollo program a little bit back in episode 11 and a half when we talked about Apollo 1. All right. But I'm just going to do a little bit of a recap in case uh, it's a new it's a new season. I'm going to give myself some liberties with the recaps. Yeah, I love a recap on a new season. When it comes to the whole space race, on July 29th, 1955, President Dwight D. Eisenhower announced the United States' intention to put an artificial satellite into orbit. Mm-hmm. And then on October 4th, 1957, the Soviet Union beat them to it with Sputnik 1. Mm. You might I remember that he one. I didn't like that. No, Eisenhower was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> and that basically, that's basically what started the space race. I'm going to guess he went on a sweary tirade that also included the words red. Yep. And commie. Yep. And pinko. Are we allowed to say that? Are we? I don't know. Sure. It's like a con- like a derogatory term for a communist. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I think, I think we're okay ragging on communists. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So those three <laughs> were peppered in there. <laughs> yeah, that's. That sounds like something he would do. Oh, I think mm-hmm. so. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, absolutely. So you better believe that the U.S. being the U.S. wasn't going to let the Russians win again. So the no. morning of May 5th, 1961, Freedom 7 was launched from Cape Canaveral, making its pilot, Alan Shepard, the second man in space following ah. Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin oh. on April 12th, less than one month earlier. Number two. <laughs> Shit. Mm-hmm. The cherry on top is that Alan Shepard made it to space and back. And Yuri Gagarin completed one orbit of the Earth before coming back. And look the smuggest a human being has ever looked in a photograph. I don't know if you've seen that picture. <laughs> I have but not. I'm damn No, look it up. Man. And I have never... Look up like the... Uh, if you look up Yuri Gagarin, it's like the picture on his Wikipedia page. Okay. It is the smuggest picture I've ever seen. Oh, really? Probably, probably rightfully so, because you just beat your, you know, your main competitive competing superpower to space sure. by like a month. Smirky. Kind of smirky. Yeah, very, one very just like cough. one of these like, uh, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like one of those smiles where it's like, you, I want to punch that One of those face. non-smiles, jaw slightly up in the air. And yeah, a little talking. bit. Little got bit. it. I got Ex- it. That's exactly it. Like <laughs> nose up a little bit. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If he was making a sound, it would be like, hmm. Mm, not so much. Hey, <laughs> how's that? How's that? Earth treating you. Yeah. How's the Wouldn't know much taste? about it. I spent the last little while in space. Yeah, what's so been how, going on Earth since been? I was I left Earth? <laughs> <laughs> I would know. That's what his face says. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the White House, mother... F- <laughs> that's <laughs> pinko, commie, red <laughs> bastard. Yeah. So in 1961, President John F. Kennedy elected on the promise of taking the United States to space and dunking on the Soviet Union, challenged <laughs> America to land an astronaut on the moon by the end of the decade. Right. So, no big deal, 1961. Hey, uh, in nine years, can you get to the moon? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So work on that. Didn't yeah, even yeah. wait for the answer. It was like, yeah, okay, see you there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> leave the details to you and let me know when it's done. Gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, which it will be. It will be done, though. Yes. It will, yes, so yes. I know that. We know that. Up to you, but we know that it'll be done. Yeah. 
bottom line, we know it's happening. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, however you go about I'm it, just, that's on you. You're the egghead. I'm just going to go announce it to the American public. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I know you wouldn't want to let them down. So I'll just leave that <laughs> yeah. up to you. So <laughs> I know how my me, my job is to motivate. Yeah. I'm going to go get some motivation. Yeah. By announcing it to everybody. <laughs> so... Uh, so NASA began working towards this with Project Mercury and then Gemini and finally the Apollo program. Yes. And there's lots we can say about it. And I'm sure we'll come back to the Apollo program and the Gemini and the Mercury programs because there were some, there's some mini disasters along the way there. But I think that's, uh, that's future Tragedy Tuesday territory. And I don't want to get spaced out uh, right <laughs> up front. Oh, sure. So we'll come back to it. It's rife with disaster. Suffice to say for now... Yada, yada, yada. JFK's goal was achieved on July 20th, 1969, when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon. Yep. While Michael Collins watched from orbit. Totally mm. okay with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone's got to stay behind. Guard I mean, ship. I know that that was his role, and he knew that that was his role from the beginning. But it's just like, when they announced that crew... Yeah. He's just like, yes. And Mike, so you're going to be you're going to be orbiting and then uh, Neil and Buzz they're just going to go down to the moon. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. cool. Um yeah. No, that's uh doing it for the country, I guess. Mm. Yeah. No, that that cool. No, that's I'm cool with it. I'm yeah. this is cool. I can spent we, my life training for this. This is cool. Turns or no, can't. Okay. okay. Can't, oh, can't take turns? Yeah. No, that's okay. good. I'll just, yeah, uh, I'll watch. I'll be here guys uh, if you need me. Yep. <laughs> Crying. Yep. Devoted my life to this. <clears throat> Probably survived a war. No, that's cool. That's cool. The crew returned home on July 24th, 1969. And in total, just to give you a little summary of the, the program, a total of 15 Saturn V rockets were built. Uh, those are the rockets that they took to space to achieve this goal. Mm. Six were used by the time the Apollo 11 happened. And the goal was to have 10 more landings with the remaining rockets taking the program all the way to Apollo 20. Mm. Unfortunately, the program was canceled after Apollo 17 due to budget limitations, hardware delays and a focus on Skylab, which is the first U.S. space station. All right. And there are two Saturn V rockets that were never used and are currently on display in the United States. Yeah. Oh, hey, I heard you guys talking about rockets. Hey, whoa, Nuclear whoa, whoa, norm. Whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't expect to see you on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So soon. I just happened to be passing by um, over the internet. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and I, you know, I decided to drop by. Awesome. Well, what what do you yeah, we were talking about rockets. What do you want to tell us about rockets? Oh, uh, you just want to know a little bit about rocketry? I know a thing or two about that. Absolutely. Bring it on. The overall genre of rocketry. Yeah. Yep. So the solar system was formed. <laughs> no. Oh Jesus. Oh, okay. No, no, no. We're not, we're not going that far back. <laughs> But, all of yeah, go back and listen moves. to the other nuclear norm episodes. <laughs> but, but rocketry is actually all about physics, shockingly, oh. and gravity. Really? So let's uh, do a real quick chat about gravity. Okay. And let's be very, like, serious about it. We need to give it some gravity. Mm. <laughs> levity. <laughs> the opposite of levity. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what you're getting. Right, okay. But very basically, imagine throwing a ball. Straight up in the air. Huh. Gotcha. Just picture doing that. I'll try. Right? Simple enough. It's a stretch because I never really played any sports. I don't like sports. Yeah, there's, I... there's so many sports though where you throw a ball straight up in the air. Though it's like it's <laughs> it's very relatable. That sounds like me trying to throw a baseball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're bringing back bad memories. <laughs> Fucking Zachar, you fucked yeah. it up again. <laughs> I'm pitching to the sun, right? <laughs> you have flashbacks to gym class. <laughs> yeah, okay, so imagine throwing a ball straight up. Right. Okay. You, you picture it, it goes up, slows down, it gets pulled back to Earth by gravity, mm -hmm. and then it hits the Earth. That's gravity. Gotcha. Now imagine if 
the Incredible Hulk threw a baseball straight up. Mm. And let's say the Incredible Hulk could throw the baseball up at 40,000 kilometers per hour. Is that fast? Well, it's only 13 times faster than a bullet. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, the fastest bullet. <laughs> okay, fair <enough>. So <laughs> if you could throw a ball at 40,000 kilometers per hour, yeah. it would actually have enough energy to escape the Earth's gravity and get away from the Earth as opposed to getting pulled, pulled back. And this right. is called escape velocity. Okay. It's called the Millennium that's cool. Falcon is what that's called. Yeah, so so rockets <laughs> try to do something like that to get off Earth. Yeah. Wait, the Hulk throws rockets into space? <laughs> well, maybe not in the What's Avengers the 1 or 2 this? or 3 or, or 4, but maybe yeah. in 5. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully. Um, I'm waiting. <laughs> so, yeah, a rocket tries to do this. Oh. But if you've ever actually seen a rocket launch, you'll notice that it actually goes up. And then it goes sideways, like it doesn't right. just go straight up towards the sky, but right. it actually right. arcs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason it's doing that is it's actually turning to use the momentum of the Earth's spin to throw it sideways as opposed to flying straight up. So you don't actually need to reach the escape velocity in one go. That's super cool. What the rockets are trying to do is to get into orbit. Right. Okay. Now... What is orbit? It's not just a gum from Europe that my dad would bring back. <laughs> I know, Peter, <laughs> you're experienced with baseball. So, <laughs> <laughs> so imagine throwing a baseball forward this time instead of straight can't, up. Can't do it. <laughs> <Even harder>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you'll know the they'll, you'll see the baseball will arc and then it'll come back down due to gravity, right. and it'll have traveled whatever distance you threw. Five feet, right. Now imagine if the Incredible <laughs> Hulk were to throw a baseball. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he could throw the baseball so hard that the Earth's own curvature, we're assuming the Earth is curved here and not flat. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll suspend disbelief. You're, yeah. <laughs> he can throw the ball so hard that the Earth curves away before the ball falls and hits the Earth. Oh, I see. Okay. Could he hit himself yeah, okay. in the back of the head? This is called orbit, and right. yes. Nice. Oh, look at that. <laughs> it orbited. It's like one of those philosophical questions. Could the Hulk <laughs> throw a baseball so fast that it hits himself in the back of the head? Ah, good question, Socrates. I was actually going to use Superman for this, but I, like, I'm, I'm a Marvel guy. Right. Yeah. I think, I think I'm the Hulk. Might be we all know with Superman, we know the answer. It's yes, because he, he can do Yes, anything. of course he could do this. Boring. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so orbit is actually, when, so, when something is in its orbit, it's basically falling, but falling infinitely around the Earth. That, that, is, okay. that is orbit. That's so, cool. A rocket, and in the case of this episode... The Apollo missions, they, mm -hmm. they, they want to get into orbit first because that's actually easier than escaping the Earth's gravity on its own. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, this is, that's what the rockets are doing when they're arcing up. They're trying to fall into orbit. Oh, interesting. I've never thought about nice. it that way. Yeah. And then, then once, once you're in orbit, you're just kind of infinitely rotating around the Earth and then you blast your rockets right. or your engines one last time <clears throat> when you line up with the moon and you just... Hope you get to the moon. <laughs> you hope Stanley Kubrick's finished building the set. <laughs> California. So the, the heavier the object, though, that you want to get into orbit, the more energy it requires. Mm -hmm. So obviously with rockets, that's fuel. Right. Rocket fuel. So if you want to get something into orbit and then to the moon, you need a ton of fuel. Uh, right. And then if you want to get something even heavier into the moon, you got to get even more fuel. But hmm. fuel itself is heavy. 
Um, so, so you need even 22. more fuel to carry the extra fuel you need <laughs> oh, to get the little thing you want on the moon. Paradoxalicious. Huh. So the Saturn V rockets used in the Apollo missions uh, had a maximum payload for translunar injection, hey. which means to send something to the moon, of about 48,000 kilograms, which is about 107,000 pounds. Okay, how many Titanics is that? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, probably less. Not a Damn lot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, Three quarters. So to send this 48,000 kilogram payload to the moon, so right. this is what ends up going to the moon, you yep. need a rocket that is about 3 million kilograms to start. That mm, includes the oh. rocket's body and its fuel. A lot of that weight is fuel. Holy crap. <laughs> Mostly fuel. So this this is uh, called the payload <laughs> ratio, and it's a payload ratio of 1.5%. Okay. Meaning 1.5% of the mass of stuff that leaves Earth gets to the moon. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Re- oh, wow. Well, yeah, all that, yeah. yeah, all that stuff breaks off as they're getting there. Jeez. If you just want to get into orbit, it's oh, obviously it's closer to like four percent, four and a half percent, right? Oh, to get okay. into orbit, yeah. That's the hard so you part. only only ninety six percent of your mass is on that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so to get to the moon, it's even less uh, less mass. Yeah. So this is why your rockets will typically actually have multiple stages because mm-hmm. you you burn out all the fuel in one of your tanks. Yeah, that tank becomes empty. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. literally dead weight. Yeah. So oh, you yeah. eject the empty tank. Yeah. Right. And then you continue burning a now lighter aircraft or <laughs> spacecraft. Man, NASA's so smart. Yeah, mm. that is uh, pretty smart. And you know, that's kind <laughs> of the system. That's really all you need to know about rockets. Uh, okay. So you guys continue that's- on, but uh, you you want to hear something deep and dark? Always. Yes, please. Well, yeah. we it wouldn't be a nuclear norm episode if it wasn't deep we and dark. Leave on a low note. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit too uplifting so far. <laughs> okay, so this is how it relates, as it always does, to the Fermi Paradox. Oh, oh boy. Nice. Here we go. <laughs> and uh, for those of us who don't know what the Fermi Paradox is, Peter, what, which episode was that? If you want to hear more about that, check out episode 17, We Are Alone, <laughs> where Nuclear Norm told us about why we are very alone in the universe. Yes, indeed. <laughs> episode 17, Fermi Paradox. Check it out. The ability to get into space and the ease of getting into space is a function of the gravity on your planet. So as you're the, if you were on a planet with more gravity, it becomes mm-hmm. more difficult to launch into space. Kind of obvious. Right. Because everyone's but, just very serious and nobody wants to go anywhere. Yeah. But but how difficult is it? Well, there's a class of planet that are referred to as super earths. Mm-hmm. And these are basically planets that are in the range of two to ten times larger than Earth is. Okay. Okay. And they're quite common. And they're quite commonly found in the habitable, habitable zone of their stars. Mm. Okay. And that means they, the super-Earths quite commonly could have liquid water and or support life. Right. Mm. So they're common, super-Earths. Right. Yeah. But a planet, even on the lower end of the super-Earth scale, so a planet that would say is only double the size of Earth, would actually mm. have 10 times Earth's gravity. Okay. That sounds That's a lot. squishable. That is squishalicious. Yeah. Very strong people. Yeah, so whereas on Earth, where there's one times Earth gravity, Mm -hmm. the Saturn V rocket used to launch, it was 3,000 tons or 300 or 3 million kilograms. Right, yeah. Uh, That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So on this equivalent super-Earth, that rocket would need to be 400,000 tons or... (laughs) 
Holy the weight God. of the Empire State Building. Holy crap. <laughs> and so you can kind of see how it's really prohibitively impossible to, to actually oh get that much fuel to, to launch a, a rocket off of a, a planet that is even double the mass of Earth. Yeah. So yeah. if these if these planets developed intelligent life, they would actually <laughs> potentially be trapped by their own gravity and <laughs> have never been able to explore the stars. They might have never even been able to fly right. an airplane. Oh boy. <laughs> or lift their arms. So just another reason that we're never going to contact anybody out there. Exactly. Yep. Uh, and then you also get the kind of reverse situation where if a planet has less gravity than Earth, it's actually easier to launch. So you'd there be like, you okay, well then those, be- those, those aliens must have a real easy time launching from their low gravity planets, they right? Jump. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. The, the, the other co- sort of complication to that is <laughs> when planets have less mass than Earth, so like mm-hmm. using Mars as an example, they can't hold on to their atmospheres. And without an atmosphere, oh. you don't have ozone layers. You don't have the ability to block UV rays. You'll right. pretty much never be able to evolve complex life. <laughs> so, so Earth has the right amount of gravity such that mm-hmm. we could have an atmosphere that could protect yeah. us and allow us to evolve, but yeah. not too much gravity that we wouldn't be able to go into space. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. You know, as much as, as much as I grew up wanting to be Fox Mulder and wanting to believe... <laughs> I don't, yeah. guys. I don't. I don't think there are aliens, uh, <laughs> or at least not ones that we have ever seen. Yeah, that's sort of my uh, point of view. Yeah, as well. like I mean, they're, yeah. They're, they are. You... They are out there, but they're <laughs> way out there, and we'll never. Yeah. Yeah. If them. it makes you feel any better at all, there's at least six billion Earth-sized planets inhabitable zones around sun-like stars in the galaxy. Well, fair enough. That makes me feel a lot better. But also, like we talked about. Oh, but the galaxy is pretty big. <laughs> like we yeah. talked about. Like on a timeline, we are a tiny sliver of time. Mm-hmm. So if, even if we just missed them by like a million <laughs> yeah. years, we'll never know. Yeah. Well, also the assumption that like, well, aliens can fly in spaceships. Like, why are you assuming that? <laughs> to them, we're the aliens. And the best we can hope for is Mars. They can't yeah. even get off their damn planet. <laughs> like, exactly. That's the best we can maybe do someday. Well, good. Good. Yes. Uh, I, I was... <laughs> I was excited about the hope of the Apollo missions, but now that's been crushed. So yeah, it did, mm. now it really didn't matter if they made it back or not. Of all thirteen, ultimately in the end. <laughs> uh, spoilers. Well, let's find out if they made it back. Maybe some people didn't know about Apollo thirteen. Maybe I guess. Okay. Well, thanks, Nuclear Norm. That's actually going to be very interesting to uh, keep in mind for what's about to happen to. Apollo 13. Yeah. No spoilers. No. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, Norm, you want to come back next week and tell us some more about some uh, completely unrelated stuff? Could you? No. Oh. You will okay. not be hearing from me again. Nuclear Norm, everyone. <sighs> Always a good time talking to Nuclear Norm. All right. Always informative and informative. Exactly. <laughs> and seamless because he was here and we recorded that contemporaneously. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. That was, that's good. Fresh in the mind. <laughs> right. Build podcast magic, baby. Uh, so, originally, Apollo 13 was supposed to launch on March 12th, 1970. But this was moved to allow for uh, time for planning. The mich- mission objective was to land in the Framaro area of the moon, which is basically a giant crater on the oh, moon. Okay. The original crew was James Lovell Jr., Ken Mattingly, and Fred Hayes Jr. But Ken Mattingly was replaced by Jack Swigert Jr. A lot of juniors. Yeah. Makes me feel good about my name. There you go. Maybe that's company. 
different era. It was. I'm a P- Peter Jr. Peter is a junior. Yeah. Back when a time when, well, you were, you, you named your son after yourself. Yeah. What else are you going to name? Not an imaginative time. No, no. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so Ken Mattingly, like I said, was replaced by Jack Swigert Jr. After the crew was exposed to German measles, which is basically regular measles, but more efficient. <laughs> more efficient. And Mattingly didn't have any immune to, immunity to it, but he also didn't get it. All right. And we'll see if he has any regrets about missing this flight because <sighs> of this whole German measles thing. <laughs> Also worth mentioning that this crew swap happened three days before launch. Right. And I mean, on the one hand, astronauts are astronauts and each one is essentially an, like every astronaut essentially has like an understudy for their missions in case anything happens. Sure. But still last minute swaps are not really something that you want to be dealing with on the eve of flying to the fucking moon. Yeah. It's, it's uh, a hard one to wrap your head around. Like, you spent you spent the last month training with like this set of people, and then mm. three days before, it's like I'm just gonna swap one. Is that cool? Uh, right. Yep, that's what I signed up for. Why is your face <laughs> turning red? I'm hot. It's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> also, you might have noticed that I used the word Eve there, and I recently got a lot of shit in one of our gaming chats uh-huh. for the way that I used Eve. Eve. So we recently had an anniversary of playing this video game and I referred to last week saying like, oh, this week is the eve of our anniversary. And people were like, eve means the night before is whatever. And I was like, no, eve is like a period of time shortly before something. But no, I got a lot of crap for it. I mean, I just, you know, I let things go, but I think eve is the night before, is it not? Not necessarily. You could say like on the eve of the Second World War. That doesn't mean August 31st, 1939. I love that you know that. I would say in the context even of the Second World War, hey, look at that. Not even 20 minutes in and I've made it all the way to the Second World War. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would refer to the events in the mid to late 30s as the eve of World War II. Uh So I'm just saying it's not just the night before. It's not just like New Year's Eve. Right. It can be like, anyway. Sure. I got sure, a lot sure, sure. of shit for it, but it's all good. Not from me. Fair enough. You know, <laughs> not me. I'm not a corrector, unless it's funny. So the, cr- the crew undertook a thousand hours of mission-specific training, including 400 hours in simulators. So basically oh one God. month of regular work days or how long I've spent on Doom Eternal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Different priorities, you know. Well, you know, <laughs> if if I had spent as much time training to go to the moon as I have playing Doom Eternal, I'd be on the moon by now. I exactly. Think. But mm-hmm. you don't know, like maybe a situation will arise when the skills you have gained playing Doom Eternal mm-hmm. will be applicable. That's true. If I ever need to, if ever anyone needs someone to click on things really fast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this guy. Like, no, like, like, like really fast. Like, yeah, super like, fast. Like superhuman senses kind of fast. Especially if they're demons. If you need me to click on demons yeah. super fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm your guy. Computer ones, not real ones. Not real ones. No, 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 no not real, real ones. ones. Dead I'd in die instantly. Yeah. <laughs> I would die in a pool of my own urine. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, the main focus of the mission of Apollo 13 was to analyze the geology of the moon. Mm. So like I said, the landing site would be the Fra Mauro crater, believed to contain deposits of an impact billions of years ago. Ooh. Uh, as we heard, I think Nuclear Norm told us about this, but one of the reasons that we're here on Earth in the first place is because we had a moon to shield us from many impacts over millions of years. Right. So one such impact created this crater. The reason that is interesting is as we talked about in episode 26 of season one, but I think it's just episode 26 period, mm. about the Tunguska explosion, meteors have been flinging themselves at us for millennia. Yeah. 
And these t- meteors are typically filled with juicy minerals such as lithium that would be fantastic if we could mine somewhere in large quantities, mm-hmm. like the moon. Like the moon. Exactly. So the hope was to go there, find lithium, and make batteries for days. Baby. That's at least right. part of it, I imagine. <laughs> so during a test on March 16th, 1970, the oxygen tanks on Apollo 13 were emptied to half full or half empty, depending on your Apollo 13 <laughs> foreshadowing tastes. Right. Tank one went fine and dropped to 50% like it was supposed to, but tank two only dropped to 92% capacity. Mm. So they applied gaseous oxygen to vent the line and basically try to empty the tank fully. Didn't really work, and someone just wrote it down. Failed. Two weeks later, they ran the test again. Tank two didn't work properly again. Mm-hmm. And so they decided to boil off the remaining oxygen in tank two using an electric heater in the tank. So these are tanks that just basically carry liquid oxygen. Yeah. They should be able to empty themselves at a certain rate. And they were making sure that it was working properly. And one of the tanks wasn't working properly. So when it didn't work properly, they basically heated it to boil off the oxygen instead of just emptying it. Yeah. Uh, And this worked, the boiling off, but it took eight hours, which is a lot longer than it should. And in the process, (sighs) the internal heating elements were severely damaged. These so, were the just, only two tanks in the world, or they didn't well, replace... It's a, they've got funding, but they've already made it to the moon. So at this point, people are looking at budgets, and they're like, <laughs> do we... How much money does NASA need? How hard yeah. is it to go to the moon? We've done we it like it twice once. already. We loved it. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's kind of over it. Yeah. So well, budget that'll come is up again. not what it used to be. No. Okay. So it turns out the tank two was previously installed in the service module of Apollo 10. Mm. And as NASA technicians were removing it for modifications, they mm. dropped it. I <laughs> <laughs> dropped it. There's really no better way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I biffed it, you guys. Yeah. And you just know that there's, they, they've got a lot of accountability. So there's, but there's probably not a whole lot of BS at NASA. Right. It's kind of like, oh yeah, we, uh, we dropped it. Mm-hmm. Care to elaborate? I do not. No, I just dropped it. We dropped it. It's the only one we have, Mm -hmm. and we're still using it. Yeah. Because we're using hand-me-downs, apparently. (laughs) So So to be fair, they fixed it, they tested it, and everything seemed to be fine. So given that it passed all these things, they installed it on the Apollo 13 service module. Perfect. And just as a reminder, or I I think we discussed it in the Apollo 1 episode, the service module is kind of like the mothership. So the lunar lander would detach from the service module, land on the moon, and then come back up. And then the service module is what brings the astronauts home. And as a reminder, that's also where Michael Collins sat, totally cool with Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin romping around on the moon. Just kicking it like a boss. So anyway, I bring up Tank 2 for no particular reason. Probably won't come up again. I don't expect to hear about it again. So Apollo 13 took off from launch pad 39A on April 11th, 1970 at 13.13 p.m. or 1.13 p.m. Woo! Central Standard or 2.13 p.m. Eastern Standard. Where? Normal time, I like to call it. Again, love talking about NASA because you got things down to the second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they make a note of that. This next section I've titled Beginning of the Uh-Ohs. <laughs> so at five and a half minutes after liftoff, the crew felt a vibration in the ship, followed by the shutting down of the S2 or second stage center engine two minutes early. If you remember what Norm was telling us, this is a staged rocket. The Saturn V rockets, I think, have three stages. Right. And essentially, this is the second stage rocket. There's kind of like an array where you have a bunch of ones on the outside and then one on the inside. The inside one shut down two minutes before it was supposed to. Mm, like before it had burned off all its fuel? Unclear. 
Okay. The remaining four engines burned for about 30 seconds longer than they planned, okay. which 30, on the one hand, 30 seconds doesn't seem like a lot, but on the other hand, <laughs> it's engineering and rocket science. And I yeah. feel like this is the kind of thing that they did the math for. So mm -hmm. 30 seconds longer than they planned is 30 seconds longer than they planned. Yeah. That's quite a lot of time, mm -hmm. relatively speaking. But this was basically a hiccup. And following that, the first two days of the flight were kind of the smoothest Apollo flight of any of them so far. Okay. Of all like 13 Apollos, this is going pretty well for the first two days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, interestingly, we kind of talked about this, but you know, this is the third flight to the moon. It's kind of getting old hat. Yeah. Like the first one, a lot of stress. Second one, just do it again. Third one, like, okay. Okay. Okay, we got this. Yeah, yeah, We got yeah. this. We, we... Incidentally, it was getting old for people on Earth too. We've talked about this the <laughs> first time. Or we've talked about this a few times now, but it's kind of the idea of, you know, the first time someone does something amazing, it's like this feat and this marvel and everybody's sort of in awe of it. Mm -hmm. Like at some point in history, the first person climbed Mount Everest ever. Right. And now there are hundreds of people a year. Exactly. Right? It's, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you made it to the moon. What a marvel of human achievement. <laughs> oh, you're going back? It took... Cool, I guess. It took three times for it to be an eye roll. Like, uh Right. That old place again. <laughs> There's no aliens. Don't care. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so by 1970, when Apollo 13 was rocketing to the moon, Earth's population was over it. <laughs> yes. In fact, the crew filmed an in-flight segment that was pretty much ignored. <laughs> <laughs> like they there was a tradition where like they would they would broadcast a tv segment during the flight to the moon yep. and like nobody watched it no one cared <laughs> that episode it's that just, week's hogan's heroes got more ratings or whatever <laughs> it's so, right and it's so absurd like yeah. now the idea of like if somebody told them like hey this is like the maybe fourth last time that we're ever gonna go there uh, and then the space program is basically going to be stagnant for the next 60 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe more people would watch. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe if you put it to them that way, like, yeah. <laughs> you're killing NASA. Part of the reason I bring this up is they closed out the broadcast at about uh, just under one hour into the mission, stating the quote, this is the crew of Apollo 13 wishing everybody there a nice evening. And we're just about ready to close out our inspection of Aquarius and get back to a pleasant evening in Odyssey. Good night. Hmm. So the lunar module was called Aquarius and the service module was called Odyssey. Uh -huh. Just FYI. No, I was going to ask. And also another bit of just sprinkle it in there. Yep. Just before this broadcast, the capsule commander and historical jinxer in chief, Joe <laughs> Kerwin, stated, quote, the spacecraft is in real good shape as far as we're concerned. We're bored to tears down here. Joe, Joe, no, 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 <laughs> not in... <laughs> ground control yeah. mission control or whatever it's called you don't, you right? don't talk like that no no i feel like if i was in charge of mission control i'd have something posted on the door as like a list of things not to say yeah don't say everything's fine right don't say like this is going to be great don't mm. say certainly don't say the spacecraft is in real good shape as far as we're concerned we're bored to tears down here uh-huh uh-huh yeah we get it joe yeah. Everyone wants to be bored to tears. It's the unspoken don't say it out loud. thing. Don't say it's like saying bomb on an airplane. You don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do Unless it. you want to be on a no-fly list. Exactly. Nine minutes after the crew signed off their broadcast, yep. about 330,000 kilometers or 210 miles from Earth, right. eight times around the world, oxygen tank two exploded. You're kidding. The one they dropped. The one that had all the problems that they were like, this is probably going to be fine. Yeah, well, they fixed it. 
Well, they fix. Why build a new one? Why? You're only going to the moon. Exactly. This is going to be. Uh, they're bored to tears we, down here. Yeah. After <laughs> two failed attempts, we figured out a way to make it work. So just figure it out. Sure. You're just going. You're just going to the moon with 1970s technology. We're just pushing through Earth's orbit at an insanely quick rate of speed and pushing G's, man. It should be. It should be fine. It's not like we're in an era where our radios still have vacuum tubes. So we can figure this out. <laughs> so, so it exploded, you say? It did. It oh, did. Great. To uh, no one's surprise. <laughs> anyway, so in this next section, I have titled Space Shit Hits the Space Fan. <laughs> the explosion in Oxygen Tank 2 had the knock-on effect of causing oxygen Oxygen Tank 1 to begin to fail. Just for good measure, Surprising. right about this time, the normal supply of electricity, light, and water failed. Mm. The crew felt the explosion as a bang and a vibration at 9.08 on April 13th, which you guessed it was a Friday. Monday. It was Mo- a Monday. Shit. April 13th <laughs> was a Monday. <laughs> they were orbiting at that point, right? No, they were... They were, they were like rocketing. En route. They were en route, so... They were translunar injecting. I, I just... Yeah, so I want to point out that they were like pushing ma- you know g's yeah yeah and yeah. within that they still felt that explosion i imagine it's a rough ride with no explosions like you see it yeah. on the movies like <laughs> I, I think at this point they might not have been accelerating cuz i think at this point they're they're, they're traveling that. to the moon so they're they're going fast right. but i don't think their rockets they're are necessarily not like, firing okay 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 yeah yeah so okay yeah. so they felt it they felt they felt they felt it they felt, felt it. it was one of the things. exploding yeah. tank. Shortly after the bang and the lights cut out, yeah. Swigert got on the radio to Houston to say, and I'm sure we're all familiar with it, Houston, we've had we're, a problem. Something's here. wrong. Oh, we have a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> a lot of people say, Houston, we have a problem. It's actually, Houston, we've had a problem here. Yeah, I love those quotes that get like yeah. slightly skewed and then they exist that way yeah. throughout yeah. history. Like, Luke, I am your father. Oh, yeah. Usually it's movie quotes that I remember, but I mean, there's stuff in, in, in real... No, it's true. Everyone says, Luke, I am your father. Yeah. Me included until I... Unless I think about it. Right. But Houston, we've had a problem here. That, uh, right up there with... Uh, this is another, like, niche one, but for me, people saying drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, actually, it mm. was flavoring. Flavoring. So... <clears throat> it's it's the whole, uh, you know, tell the myth, not the, the facts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just sound... It, it yeah. plays better. Exactly. It's catchier. You know, if somebody said, and at this point it's so accepted that if somebody said to me, Houston, we've had a problem here. Okay. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Cool your jets. Yeah. You, you're, <laughs> you're just being a smart ass at that point. <laughs> Having said that, that's all I'm ever going to say from now on. So I'm a son <laughs> oh, of a, I know that. Know, I'm a jerk. I'm familiar with your work. <laughs> so if you remember the uh, discussion from our Apollo 1 episode, 11 and a half, Mm. We talked a little bit about the type of person that became an astronaut in the time of Mercury, <laughs> Gemini, and the Apollo programs. Yeah. And these are the kinds of people that became test pilots and ultimately astronauts that essentially, without exaggerating, live with death on their shoulder. Like you become a test pilot with the understanding that you're testing brand new aircraft that will crash and explode. Mm-hmm. Always a possibility. Like you're not, you're not guaranteed to, but it's like one in... I guess I don't know the number, but it's like one in 10. Like it was a common thing for test pilots to crash. Sure. And those are the kinds of people that they recruited into NASA, into the Gemini and Apollo programs. Mm -hmm. So these are essentially the coolest cucumbers you're ever going to meet. Right. Unflappable. Exactly. Every challenge is met with an equal mix of unparalleled preparation and competence balanced with wit and humor. 
(laughs) So (laughs) what I'm saying is if I was in space and something on my spaceship exploded, Mm. my transition would go down in history as, oh, shit, 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 oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My transition would be, my bowels would be the second thing that exploded. (laughs) Oh, God. And it would be kind of nasty in zero G. But then, like, exactly, if you ever listen to these broadcasts and just the way that they talk about this, it's just Mm. like something exploded on your spaceship and your broadcast was, uh, Houston, we've had a problem here. Right. Like you're what you're you're the? so cool, calm and collected. You have time to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you have time to get on the radio right. with a sound that isn't screaming. <laughs> We've uh, had a problem here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he followed it up. Uh, so Lovell followed. That was uh, Swigert that said it first. Lovell followed up. Houston, we've had a problem. We've had a main B bus undervolt, and this as. Uh, he was saying this as warning lights began to come on all across the spacecraft, indicating the loss of two of the three fuel cells. Mm. So apparently oxygen for these fuel cells was rapidly depleting. Mm. So I guess uh, I didn't go, maybe I should have done a sidebar on how these fuel cells work, but essentially they needed oxygen to generate energy and the oxygen was leaking out. The fuel is oxygen reliant. The like the electrical systems. Oh, I yeah. gotcha. Gotcha, That's right. gotcha. Yeah, this is all happening, like I said, at three hundred and twenty-one, just over three hundred and twenty thousand kilometers from the closest repair shop. Right, right. So they've got whatever they have on hands. Sure, little toolkit. Their immediate thought was that a meteoroid may have hit the landing module. Ew! But they looked around and there was no leak. Did you say ew? I said <laughs> gross. <laughs> space rock (laughs) but they they didn't they didn't find a leak so it couldn't necessarily like a a meteoroid would like cut a hole through the ship oh yeah you'd you'd know didn't find a leak okay the main b the main bus b undervolt that uh, lovell mentioned was an alarm that meant that there was not enough voltage in the three fuel cells that were fueled by hydrogen and oxygen Hmm. so hayes checked the status of the fuel cells and found that they were dead thankfully this whole situation was short-lived as the main bus momentarily returned to normal. Oh, great. Only to have both bus A and B immediately fall short on voltage. Oh, shoot. So all this to say, <clears throat> your spaceship that runs on electricity uh, is out of electricity. Oh, is that all? 320,000 kilometers from Earth. Oh, it's gone. Mm-hmm. The power. You're a floating tin can. Yep. Still going fast though. It's not like they lost all their speed. Oh, so yeah, they're quite, floating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're floating very quickly. <laughs> yeah, in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> so about 13 minutes after the explosion, yeah. Lovell looked out a window and saw something venting into space. And that was the oxygen gas escaping out of the last oxygen tank on the ship. Oh, okay. The one that works. Again, I didn't do a ton of research on this aspect, but I'm going to make an educated guess and say that you typically want the oxygen to stay inside the space can you're riding to the moon. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it's an interesting theory. Yeah. I mean, I'm no scientist, uh, so I'll take your word for it. I'm going to say you want to hang on to your oxygen. I think that's that's what you want to do. So meanwhile, while this is happening, the pressure in tank one continued to drop massively. And at this point, the crew knew that they would lose all oxygen, causing the last fuel cell to die. Mm-hmm. Again, not a situation that uh, you want, is what I'm going to say. Not ideal, no. So an hour after the bang, with only 15 minutes of power left, 15 minutes of power <laughs> left. It's not a lot of time. <laughs> in the command module, the crew was told to go to Aquarius, the lunar lander module. Mm. 
So Aquarius had power and oxygen, but not as much as they needed because it was built for a 45-hour lifetime. Right. And they had to stretch it to about 90 hours. So twice what it was designed to. Yeah. And they sure can't get back to Earth with it, right? Like, it's just a silly little... Maybe they can. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see Maybe if they can. I'm uh, underestimating. Keep talking. Uh-huh. The plus side was that the lander, the lunar lander module had a full oxygen tank right so on. that they'd have air, right on. which is pretty much as good a starting point as you can hope for when you're hurtling through space 300,000 kilometers from Earth. Yes. Like, well, at least we have oxygen. That's figured out. We figured out oxygen. <laughs> we'll be alive up until, and breathing up until the time we die. <laughs> but the downside is that both water and power were a concern. So they estimated that the crew would run out of water about five hours before re-entry to Earth. And the main reason that this was a concern is, I mean, you can go five hours yeah. without drinking, but thirsty. the water is used to cool the systems as well. Oh, So if okay. you run out of water... It's not for drinking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a data from the Apollo 11 had shown that on, the onboard systems could survive eight hours in space without water cooling. Still, the crew conserved water, drinking only about six ounces of water a day or 200 milliliters. So that's about like two thirds of a pop can of water per day. Jeez, that's Which, rationing. It's not not a lot. I bet for those guys, that was, that was very low on their list of concerns, though. Mm-hmm. The the kind of so, yeah, I'll, dudes you described, <laughs> like, okay, that's, yeah. enough, that's the amount of water drinking a day? We're doing that. <laughs> We're doing that. I once crashed a jet in the desert and I had to walk home for three days. <laughs> I got this. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you're saying I can have some water each day? Fine. That's <laughs> I'll take fine. It. I'm guessing sarcasm wasn't a big <laughs> part of their. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we'd either. survive I don't, long. I don't see it. <laughs> anyway. No. No, this is a situation where you probably don't want to leave anything up to interpretation. No, no. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> Don't fuck with me here, Jerry. <laughs> is his name Jerry? No. Pro- no, sure. Sure. In our mission, someone's named Jerry. I know. Uh, so because things weren't miserable enough, the reduced water intake and the cosmic radiation and the microgravity caused haze to develop a urinary tract infection. Oh, come on. Why not? Yeah. Things aren't going bad enough. Just so. a little pickle on the old shit sandwich. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So for food, the crew survived throughout this whole ordeal on right. hot dogs and wet packed foods. <laughs> that sounds gross. So basically my dinners throughout the pandemic. <laughs> wet pack? What are we having for? Oh, another wet pack. <laughs> sounds delicious. And a hot dog. Gross. 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 The main pro or one of the major problems throughout this whole ordeal is the carbon dioxide buildup. Oh yeah. So when you're sealed inside a spaceship, the oxygen you need to live stays inside, but so does the carbon dioxide you inhale. And there's no trees around to remove it from the air no there's no photosynthesis there were enough lithium hydroxide canisters which remove carbon dioxide from the spacecraft okay but the problem was the square canisters used in the command module odyssey didn't fit the round openings of the lunar module aquarius oh so for example there were four cartridges in the lander module and four from the backups but the lander module was only supposed to support two men for two days not three men for four days all right but basically now a day and a half after that initial bang yeah the lander module warning light showed that carbon dioxide was at a dangerous level Mm. i'm gonna do a quick sidebar entitled my time to shine Because right. I spent five years starting conference presentations and journal articles with an explanation of why oxygen is important. My, oh. my scientific research was about oxygen sensing, basically cellular mechanisms of oxygen sensing. Okay. 
So you know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so we all know that we need oxygen to survive, but yeah. do you know why? No. So even if you know nothing about science, if I say the mitochondria, odds are you know that it's the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah. Does that ring a bell? It rings a bell. Yeah. Even if you've like never taken biology, that's like one of those catchphrases from like high school. Yes. The yes. mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. The, the reason is, is because it's responsible for producing adenosine triphosphate or ATP, which gets used by your body for all kinds of energy dependent tasks. Mm. It's essentially like the unit of energy that your body uses. Right. Anything from muscle contractions to, you know, forming memories, anything that needs energy uses ATP. Okay. The way it does this is through something that's known as the electron transport chain. So essentially, there's a group of proteins embedded in the membrane of the mitochondria that grab an electron from other cellular processes, pass it along to drive proton pumps. Mm -hmm. Protons are like hydrogen. Anyway, proton pumps. Yep. These proton pumps establish a proton gradient with high proton concentration outside the mitochondria and low concentration inside. And then when those protons flow back into the cell through, ATP, through another protein that creates this ATP, that's how you make ATP. So the electron enters the electron transport chain in complex one, gets passed along, and eventually reaches the final complex where oxygen acts as the final acceptor. Uh -huh. All this to say, no oxygen, no electrons passing through the electron transport chain, no proton gradient, no ATP, no energy for physiological processes, you die. Yeah, and also you can't breathe. That's the big one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah... Giving you the explanation of I why you it. can't breathe. I love it. I know. I was being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was being that idiot at the back of the class. Yeah. <laughs> with his hand raised. Sir, sir, ma'am, um, also you can't breathe. <laughs> Thanks. That's what I just said. you go said. for a walk? <laughs> Here's the hall pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's why oxygen is important. And when carbon dioxide levels get high, they can lead to acidifications of your blood and all of the bad things that come along with it. And it turns out your body needs a delicately balanced pH for example, your proteins not falling apart. Hmm. So that's why you need oxygen and that's why carbon dioxide buildup is bad. Got it. Too much of a good thing is not good. And I've now used my degree for, <laughs> I've, I've, that's the last bit of, like I've ringed out the last <laughs> bit of information you from now my degree. Now your degree. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> So back in Houston, NASA worked through the night to devise a system that would allow the command module canisters to attach to the lunar lander module system using only plastic bags, cardboard, and tape. <laughs> so basically what they had to do is on back on Earth, they had to assemble all of the materials that they had on the lunar module and only the ones that they had basically up in space with them and come up with some way of adapting these filters to work wow. on the lunar module, okay. module, right? They're like recreating the situation. Yeah, because they can't be like, oh, use this whatever. <laughs> oh, we don't have one of those. <laughs> it's like oh, spin it out. Right. Do you have any duct tape? Nope. Do you have any, you know, just here's what we have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I think they did have duct tape, and that's one of the things they used. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That stuff's handy. So it really makes you wonder this whole process, why the canisters were different in the first place. I was going to bring that up. You're flying to the moon. Now is not the time to be fumbling for your bullshit proprietary iPod charging cable. <laughs> like everything should be the USB-C of carbon dioxide. Uh -huh. filters. I'm sure it was going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, I, yeah. But it's just like at this point, like why would, why, why do you have different ones? Yeah. Why would you ever? Whose idea was that? Let's make yeah. these ones square and these ones round. Like, I'm sure they, as they were recreating the situation on Earth, yeah. they're like, yeah, 
you know, we should make these uniform from now on. <laughs> That's a great really idea, should. Jerry. It's Jerry again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucking Jerry. Jerry. He's the one that he's the one that suggested different different sizes in the first place. He's the one. I just like Jerry's round. covering his tracks, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, guys. The tank fell. I, I uh, guess something happened to it. I don't know. What do you want me to do? Who designed these fucking filters? Tell you who it wasn't. It wasn't this guy, Jerry. <laughs> That's who it wasn't. But I got a solution. I think they should be the same shape, tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what and that's what I've always thought. I've always thought that. I've always thought that. I think I mentioned that from the start. <laughs> so NASA and Houston made it work and talked the Apollo 13 crew through building the adapter themselves and once they put it together and installed the filters, the carbon dioxide levels immediately began to start falling. You. That's one problem solved. <laughs> Which this is exactly that's exactly my next <laughs> note here is like that's the theme of this disaster. It's just like, "Oh, thank God, we just solved an issue. We're back to surviving. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not the task at hand. Just whew, we can go back to we can go back to drinking our two thirds of a can of water yeah. a day. Yeah. You know what? Small goals. <laughs> One thing at a time. Small small miracles, Lana. Art <laughs> if you you watch Archer? I do not. Okay, fair enough. I just laughed because, you know. I didn't want to look stupid, not getting a reference. Speaking of Archer, though, bummer about uh, Jessica Walter. Was she on that show, too? Yeah, she played uh, she was the, she voice? Was the voice of Mallory. Oh, okay. But of course, uh, Lucille. Uh, Lucille, Luke. I was just going to say, give, given all the Arrested Development references that we <laughs> pepper in, I feel like we should give a moment of silence for Jessica Walter. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, okay. I don't understand the question. And I won't respond to it. <laughs> I think that's my favorite. That's yeah. my favorite one. That, that's the one that lives on. Army at half a day. Anyway, yeah. enough for us to develop. <laughs> Next section, mm. blissfully, called Return to Earth. Oh. At this point, the crew have tied themselves to the lunar lander as their ticket home. Yeah. But the lander navigation system wasn't designed for this situation. Mm. So the navigation system in the lunar lander was essentially designed to get to the surface of the moon from orbiting the moon. Right. Not necessarily for aiming a rocket at Earth and hopefully not missing. Yeah. And hopefully busting through the atmosphere without <laughs> burning up. Ideally. Mm -hmm. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, let's see. So at this point in the mission, they're currently on track to landing on the moon. <laughs> but what they need to be doing is returning to Earth. Yeah. So we're still headed out at this point. Like right. this is still moonward bound. Right. Still translunarly injecting. Yes, yes. So they decide that the best way to get back to Earth is to do a slingshot maneuver where they go around the far side of the moon, build momentum, and then fly back towards Earth. If I remember correctly, that's because if they just did a 180 and started burning back to Earth, they would essentially use up all the fuel they would need on that one burn, and yeah. they'd have none left for subsequent stages. This way, they could speed up by essentially going into the Earth's or going into the moon's orbit using that momentum to fling them back towards Earth and they yeah. save a ton of fuel. Yeah. It's like the intergalactic version of a thermal or something. It, it, you know. Yep, exactly. To this end, they fired a 35-second burn. So that was about five hours after the explosion. They did a second five-minute burn as they approached the moon to speed up, yep. to uh, add to their momentum. Yeah. So they made it around the moon and now they're flying back towards Earth. Right. But the thing is, they did the math, but they still need to make up, the th they still need to make sure that they're aligned to the Earth. Right. If you picture this, they've now made it back around the moon and now they're facing Earth in general terms. Yeah. But you're looking at like a tiny <laughs> blue marble on a sea of black. 
<laughs> you're looking at at home yeah. against a relief of hurtling into deep space for the rest of your short life. It seems so big before. Right. Damn it. <laughs> So much smaller hundreds of thousands of kilometers uh-huh, away. <laughs> uh-huh. Also, remember that this is 1970s technology. We talked about this a bit to, before. Like, I'm not saying that flying in space today is easy, but at no. least we're doing it on computers that aren't made of literal wires coiled around spindles. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't just a matter of flinging themselves around the moon and letting the computer fly them home. They actually needed to align themselves to make sure that they were on course for Earth. Yep. Human brains doing math. Exactly. They did this old school using a sextant to align themselves with the stars. Wow. A sextant. That's like what that thing's for. Like I'm on a ship and I need to align myself <laughs> using the stars. Get my uh, geometry yeah. kit here. And again, astronauts. Of course they knew how to use a sextant. Oh, like nobody's <laughs> business. Like this is, they've probably trained for this, but also keep in mind like what we're talking about about astronauts. These are the kinds of people that will fix your car while lecturing you about astrophysics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you need to do anything that has ever been done, yeah. ask an astronaut. Ask an astronaut. Because they probably know how to do it. <laughs> Multi-talented. Yeah. I bet they were pleased as punch to be busting out that sextant. Like... You mean I Probably. finally get to use it practically, yeah. not just in a class? <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Jerry back on Earth being like flashback to like a couple <laughs> weeks earlier. Do we even need to put this thing in here? Like, yeah. why do we have a fucking sex thing? I know. That's it's a good just... point, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, what the fuck is in the fucking rocket? Jerry. <laughs> good thing nobody listened to Jerry about that one. Exactly. Ah, fucking Jerry. Yeah, he's the worst. The problem with using a sextant was that the spacecraft was pulling its halo of debris from the explosion along with it. <laughs> they, you know, remember that explosion where it just blew a bunch of particles off the ship? Yeah, yeah. Those kind of stayed in the vicinity of the ship. Debris in sunlight twinkles just like stars. Oh. So they can't just pick any star. They basically couldn't find a star to align themselves to using the sextant. <laughs> Okay, because it might be a little piece of space junk. Exactly, okay. right? And then you're in deep space. This is what I'm talking about. It's, Earth is small against the relief of the universe. <laughs> Earth is small, humans are dumb, and um, space yeah. is everything. So, yeah. good luck. Maybe this is an opportunity to take the universe's perspective. <laughs> Nature and the universe is sitting there watching these three idiots who fired themselves off of Earth on a rocket, uh. now in trouble, being like, oh, I want to get back to Earth. <laughs> and the universe is like, what are you idiots doing? Yeah, This isn't even that far. Do you know how vast I am? Yeah. You're talking about going like a couple hundred thousand kilometers. Do you know where the <laughs> end of me is? <laughs> Nowhere. That's where. Yeah. And you are yeah. one baby step yeah. into my backyard and you're screwed <laughs> but yeah i say baby step but really like a baby step would be something that i could perceive right like i just i just randomly came across i didn't even know that this was going on to be yeah, honest exactly. i don't yeah, know really how i would be like what do you mean who's in what i don't know that's the universe talking <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah go ahead and bust out the math kit if you think it'll help yeah yeah, enjoy your, enjoy your sextant that on my time scale you invented yesterday. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, <clears throat> so they eventually decided to align themselves to the closest star they could find, the sun. And that actually worked out pretty well. Good choice. During all of this, remember Mattingly, the guy who got German measles and didn't end up going on the mission? Yeah. So during all of this, Mattingly spent basically the entire time at NASA with nearly no sleep helping to solve the problem of the power conservation on 
Apollo 13 with the NASA scientists. All right. All while thanking his lucky stars <laughs> that he had never gotten German measles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just need another five to go, whew. Right. Whew. Like, let, let's be honest. You, if you asked Mattingly, he'd be like, no, I'd, I'd want to be up there with my co-pilots. Yeah. And to be fair, that's probably like 90% when it comes to his character. He's probably not lying. No, but... There is a piece of him that is like, thank fucking Christ, I never set foot yeah, on yeah, Apollo yeah. 13. <laughs> exactly. Like if he has a, a tell in poker, yeah, it will be going off the charts while I say, of course I want to be up there with my colleagues. Yeah. Nowhere where I'd Eyes like be. twitching shut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got a full house there. Uh, I already forgot his name. Shit. M- uh, Mattingly. Mattingly. Gary Sinise. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it is Gary Sinise. I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one guy I know. He's the one to stay behind. On the one hand, I feel like Apollo 13 would be a good uh, Discord watch po- watch party movie. But on the other hand, it's kind of long and there's not a lot to make fun of. So <laughs> yeah. maybe I'll think of a different A little one. dry. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, every now and then we do watch parties on the Discord. Also, we have a Discord. So join us and we talk about things there. Yeah, we sure do. Let's not forget about the conditions inside the Lunar Lander while all of this troubleshooting is going on. All right. So let's just recap. No food, no water. All right. Temperature rapidly dropping because every non-essential electrical system was shut down. Right. Essentially dropping the cabin temperature to about three degrees Celsius. Mm, not ideal. Condensation is forming all over the walls and instrument panels, and I'll talk about why that's a problem in a second. That's no sleep, obviously. Right. Like, right. I don't know about you, but I'm not I'm not catching a lot of Zs no. in the middle of deep space. Not going <laughs> to saw some logs in the meantime? Nope. Not so much. The crew, uh, the crew did what they could to stay warm. So Lovell and Hayes wore their lunar EVA or extravehicular activity boots. They didn't wear their fur- full space things because, ironically, then they would overheat. But they did wear the boots. <laughs> Can't win. Swigert wore one extra overall. He didn't have the boots because he was not going to go to the moon. If you'll recall, oh, he's 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 like the totally cool with it, non bitter guy on this. Oh, sure. particular mission. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Made better by the fact that he's the one that doesn't have any boots. So that's, <laughs> that's cool, guys. No, it's it. cool. That's it. You guys warm? You're good? Your feet are good? It's really cool how I wasn't going to walk on the moon, and I'm really happy to be freezing right now. So mm-hmm. you guys enjoy your boots. Yeah. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Add insult to injury. Swigert at one point got his feet wet while filling water bags and had no lunar shoes. So again, <laughs> three degrees Celsius, freezing. He's in his socks? More or less. <laughs> he's in like, yeah, the equivalent of space socks. Wearing Converse or whatever. <laughs> also, the crew was told not to discharge urine into space because at this point, if you shoot anything out of your spaceship, it's going to knock you off course. So essentially, they peed in bags and then those were just floating around floating the cabin. Around. <laughs> <laughs> Swatting pee bags away from your face. You just know like you're trying to, you though you finally fall asleep and you get like, <laughs> <laughs> like a Ziploc bag of pee touches just your face. Just the slightest, like imperceptible sound. And you know what it is. You're like, oh, yeah. fuck my life right now. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so the reason the condensation was a problem, there was a significant concern that it could cause arcing. Oh. So essentially what you don't want to do is cover your electrical systems in water because then you could lead to short circuits. That makes sense. Thankfully, when eventually they started powering on the systems, that didn't happen. Oh, good. So it seems the solution was to close their eyes and cross their fingers while they powered everything on one switch at a time. (laughs) (laughs) 
because I guess what else are you going to do? Click, still alive. Click, still alive. And that's another one of those, like, you you know, at one point, well, everyone's thinking about it. At one point, NASA's like, uh, just to bring your attention to the fact <laughs> that arcing is a concern mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it might blow you up. Yeah. So begin powering on with switch number one. <laughs> <laughs> and they comply what else are you with do? Just, the, just the barest thought in the back. This. Okay, this could be how yep. I end. Click. Yep. Nope, still here. And <laughs> so on and so forth. <laughs> exactly. I love uh, it. Honestly, how could it get worse? I'm in space on a crippled spaceship. Exactly. <laughs> it's been a hell of a ride. So through all of this, astronauts were astronauts and the crew never complained. They just focused on the task. And if you listen to the transmissions, it's just like business as usual. Right. Insane. Yep. Yep. So four hours before landing, the crew shed the service module and saw that essentially an entire panel was missing from the side of it and they saw all the wreckage around it. Oh. That's like the the module that they were in when this whole explosion first happened. Yeah, yeah. And this is the first look at, the, the first actual look at the extent of the damage because at this point it was all theoretical. Sure. Now they're they, had, they couldn't actually see it. Yeah. As they approached Earth, the crew discovered that they had drifted off course a little bit. Shit. Because the guidance system was still down. Like they're powering things on, but the guidance system technically wasn't, I guess, one of the critical systems yet. They're, I guess, saving that for the last minute. That's concerning. <laughs> So what the crew did, they used they used the line between night and day on Earth to guide them. Wow. And they would just align themselves to that. Whoa. Which is insane <laughs> That's to brave. me. Again, yeah. like at this point, Earth is big enough to do that, but you're still, you're eyeballing it at yeah. this point. <laughs> you can still overshoot it like, oh, there it goes. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. And that's like the most Hello, stressful. Venus. We've... One one of the games we've been playing a lot during the pandemic lately is uh, Quake Champions. Yeah. Because I used to play Quake 3 a lot a long time ago. And there's this mode called Instagib, <laughs> where you essentially, you just use the railgun and it's one-shot kills. And that I think that mode is the sweatiest my palms have ever been. <laughs> like, that's like, you finish a round and I just like wipe them on my shirt. Yeah, it's yeah. just like it's intense. slick. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I imagine the palms are like on your hands when you're trying to align <laughs> your module to earth by just looking at the line between night and day. Yeah, pretty right? much. No pressure. Don't be off by any degrees Do because no. space, space will get you. Yeah, space is your home. Again, universe is standing there being like, I'm going to get you. Yeah. I'm going to get like you. you. forgot to <laughs> carry the one with your sextant. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So three hours after this course correction, the crew left the lunar module Aquarius for re-entry into the atmosphere, and they went into the command module. So the command module, that's like the, that's like the, the cone-shaped the one. The nose cone. The durable nose cone, cone-shaped one. Exactly. Gotcha. Which also kind of gives you some perspective, that three-hour time frame, because... There's a lot of catastrophes that we've talked about along the way so far, but it's a lot of like shit hitting the fan punctuated by waiting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Probably like a lot you do of this waiting. course correction, which is like this intense, maybe the most stressful thing you've done in your entire life. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I guess I'll read a book. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> hours later, you'll find out if you fucked up or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's not oh. like they're doing nothing. There's always something to check or whatever, right, but it's just sure. like you have like this intense moment of everything rides on this yeah and then and then hours of nothing blank yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's better maybe it gives you time to decompress i don't know nice. you guys uh see the new bond picture <laughs> good roger moore don't think mm. i buy it yeah no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a sean connery man all the way i don't know if i've actually seen a full roger moore bond i don't know no There's some good ones for me it kind of went There's some stupid ones connery lazenby 
right Dalton. to the Dalton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why'd you skip Roger Moore? I don't know. I just never, none of those really never spoke to me. To I don't know. Uh, Timothy Dalton was my favorite for a long time. What was he? He but, was uh, di- or uh, living, daylights living Daylights and one more. And License to Kill, I think. Right. He was supposed to be Goldeneye, but I think they waited too long or something. Oh, okay. Too old. Sorry, Rosnan, you're up. How did we, three hours, punctuated waiting, that kind of thing. <laughs> so finally, after all this, the command module separated from the lunar lander and began its descent into Earth's atmosphere. Okay. So ionization of the air around the command module during reentry caused six minutes of a communication blackout, which is, again, at this point, is that even stressful anymore? It's like, yeah, plus we won't talk to you for six minutes. Sure. Okay. <laughs> we can deal with that too. Which, on top of everything, led to the worry that the command module heat shield might fail and all of this might have been for naught. But yeah, you know what? At this point, there's been enough disasters. Of course, that's a concern. Oh, sure. <laughs> you knew that going in. You'll be happy to hear that the Apollo 13 crew splashed down in the Pacific Ocean near Samoa on April 17th, 1970, near the USS Iwo Jima. Yeah, yeah. And four Soviet ships in the area also offered their assistance if the crew splashed down elsewhere, but the U.S. was like, uh, we got this. Not buying it. <laughs> you know Yuri Gagarin sitting on one of those ships with a smug-ass smile being <laughs> yeah. like, just, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. waiting to like reach mm. his hand out and like <laughs> yeah. pull them out of Here, the Here, let me help you. You look like you need a hand. <laughs> Comrade. Although interesting, Tavarish. I've got a sidebar here about uh, something known as the Rescue Agreement, or also known as the Agreement on the Rescue of Astronauts, the Ooh. Return of Astronauts, and the Return of Objects Launched into Outer Space. Nice. So in December 1967, the, US, the, the UN General Assembly adopted the Rescue Agreement, and it basically says that any party to the agreement agrees to rescue astronauts in, distri- in distress. Right. The timing isn't really a coincidence, because as you can imagine, it was a major concern during the Cold War. Right, of course. A lot of NASA astronauts were like, so what happens if we crash in Siberia? <laughs> <laughs> and the U.S. was a like, real concern. Right, right, right. It's that hard is to a, land a rocket exactly on a bullseye. Ex- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that is an excellent point <laughs> that we have totally thought of. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> what? I can't think of everything. <laughs> Too busy Fuck making Jerry. these round. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So to date, 98 states have ratified the agreement, 23 have signed, and three intergovernmental space agencies have declared their acceptance of this rescue agreement. Good. That's Although, nice. to be fair, the wording is vague, but I would hope that the countries that are encounter like that face this kind of situations where they have to rescue astronauts <laughs> would assume a general don't be a dick attitude. I was literally going to say that. I think it's yeah. p- it's part of the uh don't be a dick agreement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. That's a, that's an important one. Yeah. That one where if someone comes back from outer fucking space, <laughs> yeah. you don't mess with their shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one? Oh, I think that one. Not my countrymen. <laughs> you know, call the states. They can come in one of their planes. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's the rescue agreement. So the lunar module broke apart on reentry and landed over the Tonga Trench, sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Blug. So that's... The loner, that's the part that would have landed on the moon that they spent most of the trip in that they, that basically brought them back to Earth. Yeah. So thank and you, lunar module. Pea bags are still sitting somewhere around the Marianas <laughs> Trench. <laughs> that image. Floating I'm just around. like floating in space asleep. I'm just like <laughs> bumping into your face. I could see that being the one point where one of those guys just get a little rattled. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. That <laughs> better not have been. At, at one point, they start, they start like writing their names on the bags so that they know who to blame <laughs> yeah. if they get woken <laughs> by a bag of pee. Yeah, yeah. That's yours. Lovell. I, I, <laughs> I wonder what the conversations were like. Anyway, so due to the, uh, in the aftermath, due to the lack of water and food, the crew set a record for weight loss in space. Oh. So Lovell lost 14 pounds. Holy moly. The crew as a whole lost 31 and a half pounds in total, which was about 50% more than any other crew that went to space. It's rationing for you while in zero gravity. Exactly. Thanks to their water conservation, they finished the flight with 28 pounds of water or 9% of the total. <laughs> nice. So good on them. Good on them. Yep. Needed that water. That probably became a competition too, knowing like <laughs> astronauts and test pilots. It's like, do you want to have your daily ration of water? No, I think I'm good. Yeah. How about you? I'm fine too. <laughs> Not thirsty at all. I might be fine tomorrow as well. <laughs> uh, in all, the crew spent five days, 22 hours, 54 minutes, and 41 seconds in space, traveling a total distance <laughs> of 1,1443 kilometers or 622,267 miles. That's a lot. That's far. Yeah. That's what happens when you slingshot around the moon, I guess. That's I'll do it, basically. I'll do it. That'll yeah. add on some yeah. mileage. So the crew were flown to Hawaii and met with President Nixon, who gave all three of them the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Uh -huh. Thanks, Dick. That's why I did this. <laughs> Tricky Dick. <laughs> Richard. I'm not saying he's a dick. No, 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 no. But he was kind of a dick. He's kind so. of a dick. Nixon also gave the medal to the Apollo 13 mission operations team, which, fair enough. Including Jerry. Except for that guy that said that everything was smooth sailing. That guy did not get a medal. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Here's your medal. Here's your, not you. Not you. Here's your medal. Here's your medal. <laughs> Otherwise you won't learn anything. Yeah. <laughs> You're the Chewbacca of this whole thing. No medal. At the time of Apollo 13, Americans were already bored with the whole lunar landing thing, right. but you can imagine that interest was rekindled in the Apollo program following this harrowing experience. Yeah, that made it interesting. Possible death. Right? Space death. Obviously, because people are <laughs> monsters that subsist on disasters. Tell your friends about this podcast. <clears throat> Television coverage of the incident was watched by millions around the world. Remember, the, the same millions that completely ignored it when everything was going fine. Mm. These jerks finally tuned in <laughs> once something went wrong. www.thisdisasterpod.com. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Humans are just the worst. They are awful. Ambulance chasing awful, ghouls. Awful people. Yeah. Join our Patreon. Slash this disaster pod. <clears throat> Join our Discord. <laughs> <laughs> so during the height of peril, as the crew were about to re-enter the atmosphere, Pope Paul VI led a con congregation of 10,000 people to pray for the safe return of the astronauts. Oh, that's why it worked. So we're cool with space now? <laughs> Can we go back and unburn all those people? No? Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All the people that said it existed. <laughs> <laughs> the United States passed a resolution urging businesses to close at 9 p.m. local time on April 14th to allow for employees to pray for the astronauts. That was, that was nice, too. It's a different time. And the splashdown was watched by 40 million Americans and 30 million people elsewhere in the world. Wow. So, amazing. The world was watching. NASA conducted an investigation. They found that among several improvements to the command module was raising the voltage of the heaters in the oxygen tanks from 28 to 65 volts DC. Yeah, that'll do it. 
problem is when they changed the voltage, they didn't change the thermostatic switches in the heaters. Oh, shoot. So basically what this meant is when they were doing final tests on the launch pads, the heaters were on for a long time, which caused the switches to overheat and weld themselves shut, which caused short circuits, which are, without going into further detail, if you want to know more about what short circuits can do to Apollo missions, go back and listen to episode 11 and a half about yeah. Apollo 1. Yeah. So there's a short circuit in one of the tanks. It caused pressure to build ultimately led to igniting the tank, igniting the oxygen, more pressure to build. And that's what kind of blew out that side panel and caused all of this issue, the oxygen leak and the drop in the hydrogen fuel mm. cells and the loss of power. Kaboom. Needless to say, NASA learned from their mistakes and redesigned the oxygen tanks for future missions. So and stop dropping them? Yeah. Probably. Well, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did that. If possible. Yeah. <laughs> On February 5th, 1971, Apollo 14 landed on the moon at the site where Apollo 13 was supposed to explore. So that's cool. Apollo 13 has been called a successful failure and NASA's finest hour. And I'll talk about that again in a second. <laughs> Love it. And today, the Apollo 13 command module is on display at the Cosmosphere in Hutchison, Kansas. Cosmosphere is a cool word. Okay. Final thoughts. Mm. So I asked at the beginning about your favorite Apollo mission. Apollo 11 gets all the glory because it's the one that landed on the moon. Yes. But I think Apollo 13 is my favorite. Uh, uh -huh. And I mentioned that it's, I mentioned that 11 is not even my second favorite. My second favorite is Apollo 8. Oh. Apollo 8 is the first one that actually left Earth orbit to go to the moon. Okay. You don't hear about that one. Right up until Apollo 8, the furthest humans had ever been was orbiting the Earth. Right. But then eight is the first time humans actually left Earth orbit. Okay. Here goes nothing. I hope we make it to the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's... They, did they get to the moon on eight? Yep, that, Just yep, no landing? They, they, no landing. They orbited. That was like a dry run. That's yep. cool. Yeah, that's... Uh, that was... Uh, I think that's the one where, you know, the picture uh, Earthrise? Yeah. Like that picture of... Oh, yeah. I think that was taken on Apollo 8. Beautiful. Apollo 13 is my favorite because I think it's kind of, it's humanity at its finest. It's reaching for the stars, stumbling, but figuring it out and making it work. Mm -hmm. When you think about that moment on the far side of the moon, where also, I didn't mention this, but when you're on the far side of the moon, you don't have any radio contact with Earth because yeah. there's no there's no satellites. Right. You can't bounce no. it off anything. You're cut off. Yeah. So that's like, at that moment, radio blackout, about to slingshot yourself back to Earth, hoping that you're going to hit your target. Yeah. That's as far and as out of touch as a human being has ever been. And mm -hmm. at that point, the people on there are like, well, guess we better make it back. Yeah. Whatever that looks like. Right? <laughs> this is uh, unprecedented to say the least. Exactly. So it's, it makes me think of, it's, it's the same kind of, and we talked about this a little bit before too, when we were talking about the Tinmouth electron. Yeah. Check out those episodes. But it makes me think of Donald Crowhurst because I feel like, Donald Crowhurst is cut from the same cloth as astronauts. <laughs> in a in a yeah, in a way, yes. In a way. Yeah. Because he he had an abundance of the aspect of astronauts that makes them want to do it. Yeah. He just he <laughs> lacked a lot of the other parts. He lacked a lot of the right stuff. <laughs> but he had somebody some should write a book about that. Uh, <laughs> terrible title. No one will read it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um but you know, like he's this, like he's the kind of person where it's like, yeah, he looked at a challenge and was like, yeah, I could do that. Do that. He didn't shy away from it. Yeah. He had his doubts, but he ultimately, he took a shot at it. <laughs> sure did. He had all the he, gumption. He went after the high jump. <laughs> he missed it by like, he didn't even make it off the ground. <laughs> yeah. 
but he went for it. You know he what I mean? For it. So it makes me think of Crowhurst. And I think ultimately, obviously, JFK said it best when he launched the Apollo program. Like they, they chose this not because it's easy, because it's hard. And why go to the moon? Because it's there. Yeah. And that's what makes me think of Crowhurst. And that's why Apollo 13 is my favorite of the Apollos because it's, you know, trying it, missing, figuring it out anyway. Yeah, I love Apollo that. Apollo 11, just like, oh, look at that. Everything went to plan and you landed. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's it's great. But on the other hand, what happens? Yeah. What do you do if everything yeah. screws up? Can you deal with that? Yeah. And it's like, it's it's a, it's it's not a really comparable thing, but I obviously mm. always go back to music, but like I always say you really see the measure of a musician if mm-hmm. there's if they make a mistake or yep. something goes wrong and you see if they can deal with it yeah and if they play through it it's 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 like there now there's a person who can you know mm-hmm. hang with you know yes a funky I, situation. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about yeah, 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 i know yeah. exactly what you're talking about yeah. it's just the difference between like a drummer who drops a drumstick and the song ends yeah versus one who's just like okay Okay. I'll find it and this I'll pick it up or I'll finish going, it with one hand. This hand will la-di-da and here we go. Yeah, totally. Exactly. It's just, and that's exactly what I mean. Like I'm not saying Apollo 11 was an impressive achievement, of obviously, of, of human engineering and bravery and everything. Yeah. The measure of someone is when things don't go smoothly. That's, How do you adapt? Yeah. How do you fix it? Right? Exactly. Like anyone, anyone can ride, anyone can ride the smooth train, but how do you fix the broken Oh, one? yeah. <laughs> it's it's you can apply it to anything i i you know a day at work can involve something like if everything yep. goes smoothly great but you know if something's yep. get a curveball then you find out if you know your job or you yep. don't so yeah yeah that's the more uh interesting story to hear or tell for sure and oftentimes i don't know i don't know about you but i find those days are generally more satisfying at the end of the day exactly it's like yeah. shit hit the fan and i handled it yes it's <laughs> you know what i mean it's a nice feeling yeah, you yeah. go home like I I did something I today. Did something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was Apollo thirteen, and that was a long first episode back. But there's more of that to come. <laughs> that was a good one. Well, thank you. Before we sign off, music, music. I forget. Do you go first? Do I go first? Uh, let's hear from it. Was uh, I'll go first, yeah. and then I'll stop talking forever. Okay, deal. So for me, you might know this, and I wonder if we picked the same band because we've talked about them before. But anyway. For me, I went with a band called Public Service Broadcasting. Okay. Uh, we talked about them before. Maybe, You've maybe you didn't about know about them. them. Yeah. Anyway, they're like an indie rock band from London, right. England. The album is called The Race for Space. Nice. In 2014. And it's cool because the, the whole, it's kind of like a concept album. And it's a bunch of songs that have audio clips from the space race, essentially. Like they've uh-huh. got a track called Sputnik intercut with like radio broadcast about Sputnik and like people talking about it. Yeah, yeah. The song that I picked is uh, Go! Exclamation mark. Uh-huh. And it's like completely on the nose, but this is a song where it's like the, the audio clips are from Mission Command and it's, you know, the, the commander going through all the different, uh, like uh, in the minutes leading up to Apollo 11 landing on the moon, he's going like through the different commanders being like uh, propulsion. Mm-hmm. And he'll call it out. And he'll like, you know, go, no, go. He'll be like propulsion, go. 
and you know guides go right and anyway it's a super cool song super uplifting it works within the music exactly it totally captures the feeling i imagine of you know the final moments landing before the moon nice uh and it's it's a really cool sort of melt of you know the era and capturing the feeling with modern music and uh it's directly on the nose so check that out go by public service broadcasting and it's kind of spacey the music a little well this is actually pretty much straight up indie rock oh, if okay. i could describe it's it it's more the themes like, exactly gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. kind of electro a little bit too but yeah okay awesome so that's me how about how about you lee well uh usually when we're talking about something that's from an era that you know where popular music was a thing you know we're not mm-hmm. in the 1700s or whatever uh i right. like to sort of start there yep, as, yep. you know so one of the spaciest bands I could think of from that time period is a band called Hawkwind. Oh, okay. A British band. They're, I think they're still around, but they started in maybe the late 60s. Uh, interestingly mm-hmm. enough, it was uh, Lemmy from Motorhead's band before Motorhead. That's why I've heard that band, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of them, but I don't think I've listened to them. Okay. So it's, it's, it's sort of like Pink Floyd but beyond, like that's we- right. the weirdest Pink Floyd stuff. Anyway, so oh this, yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't he, he get kicked out or something? Yes, he did. He okay. was like busted at the border with speed or something, like some classic. Lemmy? Yeah, I know. Weird. Speed, <laughs> <laughs> literally, what the song Motorhead's about. Um, <laughs> so I picked a song from their second album. It's called In Search of Space. Hey, we're on the right track. And the the song I picked is called We Took the Wrong Step Years Ago. (laughs) So, nice. that just seemed pretty appropriate. I don't actually know what the lyrics are about, but uh, it's a spacey, trippy, psychedelic song. Nice. Really cool. Man, check it out. I love it. Awesome. You probably heard a bunch of both of those just now. Yep. Okay, well, thanks for joining us. We're really pumped to be back. Uh, yes, we got another great episode coming up that I'm going to tease in a second. Oh. But before that, if you liked what you heard and you want to help us out, best thing you can do, as always, tell someone to listen. Mm. Uh, not Jerry, though. Don't tell Jerry and don't don't involve Jerry whatsoever. If you need something done, don't give it to Jerry. No, he's he's going to make it square and it should be round. Exactly. Just forget Jerry, okay? Bad news. I feel like Jerry's going to come up again oh, in future episodes. There's always a Jerry. Fucking Jerry. Fucking Jerry. Tell friend to listen. The next best thing you can do is to subscribe if you haven't already and leave a rating or review. Those are super helpful. You can also check out our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com and you can keep up with us on social media at This Disaster Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our Patreon. You can become a patron, patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod. You get tons of bonus content there, uh, micro disasters every two weeks. Check us out on our Discord too. Hang out there. We have conversations and watch parties. Don't know if we're going to be watching Apollo 13, but I feel like we should uh, cook something something up soon. Actually, I think we were talking about one to go along with the next disaster. So maybe keep an ear out for that. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. We've got a shop on our website, so check that out. We've got some prints, and we can send you a custom postcard. Yep. Probably do a run of shirts at some point. Probably another run of shirts. Throughout this season. Yep. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a run of shirts shirts in the season too. I think that's a good idea. Mm. And we also have Christmas cards. Never too early to think about that. Never too early. <laughs> Check that. <laughs> uh, so thanks for tuning in. Next time, oh, we're gonna have a special guest come to tell us about a forbidden city. Oh, yes, mm. we will. We recorded that one a little while ago, <laughs> yeah, and the one for a while. <laughs> There's gonna be a watch party to go along with that one. That nice. We'll probably announce next episode. Yeah. 
So uh, join us next week for a Tragedy Tuesday, and we'll see you in the next major disaster. Bye. Bye.